Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially Grace, Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. A lot of people are describing last night for Nikki Haley as a humiliating defeat. And based off the way she reacts when she loses, I think she'll be describing last night as a giant win, a a big win for her campaign. And so when I was reading all these things about how she actually lost to the option, none of these candidates that was also on the ballot last night in Nevada, I thought, who better to bring on than someone who's been very critical of Nikki from the very beginning. And that would be Trump's national press secretary and friend of the show, Caroline Levitt. Caroline, you have never minced words when it comes to Nikki Haley. So I would like you to take a victory lap here. What do you make of her performance last night? Oh, it would be my great pleasure, Grace, to take another victory lap uh, as Nikki Haley, once again, you said it yourself, had an embarrassing defeat last night in Nevada. First of all, let's take a step back. The Nevada GOP decided more than a year ago that they were going to move forward with their caucus system, despite Democrats trying to change the game and play in a primary, sort of like what happened in New Hampshire, right? Republicans want tradition to stand. So we stood with the Nevada GOP. They declared that whoever won the Nevada caucus would receive the delegates for that state. You can't win the Republican nomination without winning delegates. But despite that, Nikki Haley's campaign still stupidly signed her up to be on the primary ballot. They didn't go to Nevada. They didn't campaign there. And then last night, she quite literally lost to no one in a race where she will receive zero delegates. I mean, it's a complete and utter waste of time. And it is so embarrassing that she was on the ballot by herself. President Trump was not even on the ballot, and she still cannot win. And it's because voters are starting to realize, which if I do say so myself, I've been saying on your show for a very long time now, Grace, that Nikki Haley is more of a Democrat than she is a Republican. She has been unhinged spewing Democrat talking points, especially over the last few weeks, as she realizes how desperate her campaign has become. And yesterday was just another humiliating defeat. And the worst part is, if you look ahead, it gets a lot worse because we're, we're a week away from the primary in her own backyard in South Carolina, where President Trump is putting up monstrous poll numbers, has a massive group of support, nearly every endorsement of the state's uh, officials there, including the sitting governor. And uh, so Nikki would be wise to bow out of this race, but clearly... She's not very wise based on what happened last night. And you know what, for me, Caroline, what I've noticed about Nikki Haley is that she's not good at it. Like everyone says, oh, she's a swamp creature. Oh, she's a turncoat. She changes based off who she's talking to. And I think all of that's true. But I I was just taken aback watching her over the last couple of weeks at how bad she is at kind of persuading voters to come to her side. She, she got some softball questions and she managed to really bungle them. Another part of this that I wanted to ask you 
about is that she does have her eyes set now on Massachusetts as well. There's a story today, I think it was in Politico, about a mass leadership team and some of the big names that she's tapping here in Massachusetts. Have you been following the polls here? And does Trump have anything to be worried about when it comes to Nikki Haley in Massachusetts? So Nikki Haley's team uh, keeps moving the goalposts, Grace. They said they were going to put up big numbers in Iowa. She came in third, and then she stood at the podium uh, and somehow declared victory. Same thing in New Hampshire. She lost by double digits despite spending millions of dollars uh, on focusing on having Democrats and independents turn out in the New Hampshire primary. She had the endorsement of the sitting governor, who was her biggest cheerleader, saying she was going to win it in a landslide, and she still lost. She lost to literally no one in Nevada, uh, and now her team is already just, just coincidentally so cutely skating by her own home state of South Carolina because they know she's about to be obliterated. And now they're looking to the Super Tuesday states. And so, yes, her team's making this big deal about how she has all these heavyweights from Massachusetts joining her leadership team. Uh, well, a new poll out today for Morning Consult has Nikki Haley losing the Bay State 69 to 28. So clearly, whichever the, whoever these heavy hitters are uh, should probably start hitting a little bit harder because they're not doing anything for Nikki Haley. She cannot name a state that she can win. And I have been on multiple debate panels on television with Nikki Haley surrogates, and I ask them that question every time, Grace, and I am still waiting on an answer from the candidate or anyone on her team. So I don't know if your audience knows anyone on Nikki Haley's alleged Massachusetts heavy hitter list, uh, but they should ask, you should ask them, what state can she win? They can't name one. It's pathetic. She is single-handedly preventing the Republican Party from unifying and taking this fight to Joe Biden, which is what we should 100 percent be focused on doing with President Trump as our nominee, because Biden, as we all know, is destroying this nation. Yeah, and I think you're you're dead on about that, that it's time now for the Republicans to be able to focus on their their pick, which is clearly Donald Trump. Uh, the other part of this you just brought up. Joe Biden and focusing on him. And I I know that recently Trump had said that Biden, he can't do the interview before the big game because he can't talk. And then yesterday, uh, Biden went out and proved that when he couldn't remember the name of Hamas. But something that Trump said in regards to this border bill, and there's a test going on right now on the Senate floor, he said no bill is better than a bad bill. And I really think that as simple as that is, it's an effective message to get across to people that what we're seeing now in this bill, not only is it not going to stop any sort of illegal immigration, but it could actually make things worse, Caroline. Is is that something that Trump is really going to hammer heading into this next race? Yes, absolutely. And we've been hammering it all week. Uh, this is not a border bill. This was an amnesty and a Ukraine funding bill. There was $60 billion in this bill for Ukraine. By the way, that is more than the uh, Marine Corps budget for an entire fiscal year. So we're still sending more money over to Ukraine with no strategic plan to end that war from the Biden administration other than writing blank checks. Uh, then we and we're spending more money on that than funding our own military. There was only twenty billion dollars in this bill for the border, but not one of those twenty billion dollars would actually deter illegal immigration. In fact, the money would go towards helping facilitating the mass invasion that we're seeing at the southern border today. It would facilitate 
uh, quicker court dates for these illegals to get their visas and sign up for welfare, get their driver's licenses. Oh, and then what? Vote for Joe Biden. And Joe Biden claims to be this president for workers, and he's been touting some uh, some support from the labor unions. Anyone who is an American worker in this country, whether you're you're in the trades or you own your own construction company, you should you cannot support Joe Biden. He is currently pushing for 2.5 million legal work permits for these illegals that he's allowing into this country. That is absolutely devastating to blue collar, hardworking, good paying jobs across this country. And we cannot afford that. Our economy can't afford it. The American people's wages are already not keeping up with the pace of inflation because of Joe Biden's economic policies. Now he wants to import an entire new voting bloc, but also an entire new workforce to take away American jobs. That's exactly what this is about. And so this bill would have been a travesty for this country. Uh, the Senate, of course, is still negotiating it. I love the fact that Speaker Johnson and House Republicans are holding the line on this and saying anything that facilitates this mass invasion for one more day in this country is dead on arrival. And at the end of the day, we don't need a bill. What we need is a president who will exercise his executive authority to shut down the border. And now all of a sudden, Biden is claiming he doesn't have that executive authority. He used that same executive authority to open the border, to sign 94 executive orders, to reverse all of uh, Donald Trump's effective border policies. So he has the authority. He knows it. He's refusing to use it because they want this open border to continue because it is good for them politically. It's about power and control, not what's right for the American people. And it's just so sad because people are literally losing their lives at the hands of illegal immigrant criminal thugs who are killing and raping our citizens. And they're also losing their lives at the hands of Chinese fentanyl that Joe Biden's administration is helping facilitate the trafficking of over our southern border. And, and it fires me up, and I know it fires up your audience, Grace, too. Uh, and any person in Congress who votes for this package should be ashamed of themselves. Caroline, I, I wanted to ask you what you can tell us about what's going on at the RNC. Obviously, Rona McDaniel, she she claims that she's been considering leaving for some time, and it was official now that she's she's not going to be heading up the RNC. There's talk about who Trump would like. Uh, it, it's Michael Watley, the North Carolina Republican Party. But what's going on at the RNC? What do you tell people who are concerned about not only their spending, but their game plan, their strategy going into this next election? Yeah, so look, we've seen the reports about Ronna McDaniel stepping down. We'll let her, you know, make that announcement on her own, whether or not uh, that happens. President Trump has said on his own Truth Social that, you know, he will be putting forth recommendations to make sure that the RNC is a strong and trustworthy body that we can use, you know, uh, to fight the Democrats and to not only raise big dollar donor money, which we need, but also more importantly, to have hardworking everyday Americans across this country give what they can from their hard-earned paychecks uh, so that Republicans up and down the ballot from the, the presidential race this November to down ballot races and battleground states across this country can get across the finish line. That's the utmost priority for all of us is victory. Uh, and so, you know, we'll have to see what happens with Rana. The president himself has said he'll weigh in at the appropriate time. We'll let them do that. And then we got to get to work. Once again, we have to start focusing on this general election in November. We cannot afford four more years of Joe Biden's presidency. Uh, It's hard to imagine how much more damage this man could do if he's granted another four years from the Oval Office.
Now, Caroline, when you've come on the show before, I've asked you about Trump's truth socials. And a lot of times because I disagree with something he's put out there and we kind of go back and forth. And you've always been very gracious about that. But recently he put out a truth social that I actually agree with and a lot of my listeners are upset about. And that was he was telling people maybe it's time to give Bud Light a second chance. Anheuser-Busch, maybe, you know, they've they've paid a price. They've learned their lesson. I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but the overall message was maybe it's time for people to move on. Um, what do you think about that? And have you been getting pushback because i know a lot of my listeners are saying why is he saying this i I don't think we should buy bud light ever again so how do you respond to that (laughs) hey uh i think the president made some good points in his true social about the amount of veterans and americans that anheuser-busch the company uh employs and so let's not hurt the great people that work there because of one stupid marketing decision they make but you know what grace that's the beauty of capitalism your audience has the choice of whether they want to go back to purchasing Bud Light or buying another beer on the aisle. And uh, we applaud that choice, and that is their right to do so. That's an excellent answer, and that was actually what Jared was saying earlier, uh, which is let the market decide. Caroline Levitt, we appreciate you coming on. And and I think this is going to be, Caroline, probably the last time I ever bring this up. Your Iceland trip is there's not a lot of room left. So the next time I have you on, we might not be able to promote it because all the spots will be taken. But while I have you here and while there are a few spots left for people, tell them what they can expect on this amazing trip to Iceland with you. Yes, I am so glad you brought it up. And I'm so looking forward to it after this big election victory in November. Uh, we are going to Iceland. We're going to see the magic northern northern lights. We are going to see the Blue Lagoon taken all that the Icelandic culture has to offer, which I'm very excited about because, frankly, I feel naive to it, and I kind of like it that way. I want to explore. I want to be eyes wide open, and I hope uh, there's many people in your audience who will like to join. The spots are filling up very quickly. You can go on thehowiecarshow.com to find out more about the trip. Uh, it's booked through Colette Travel, so you know we'll be safe and we'll be uh, taken care of. The entire itinerary is packed and booked for us, so uh, all you got to do is buy it, and then the rest is taken care of. I'm so looking forward to it, Grace. Uh, and thanks for bringing it up. And I hope your listeners will join me. It's going to be so much fun in a n- much needed vacation, let me tell you, for all of us. Yes, especially you, Caroline. I think by the time that rolls around, you're going to be uh, definitely looking for a, a little bit of a getaway after all your hard work. And again, Iceland, it's on a lot of people's dream travel destination list. So make sure you check that out. Caroline Levitt, we thank you very much for joining us. It's Trump's National Press Secretary and friend of the Grace Curley Show. And we will be right back. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is The Grace Curley Show. Welcome back, everyone, to The Grace Curley Show. And it's time for our poll question, which we just talked to Caroline Levitt, and she she answered the poll question in her own way. And uh, I think this is this is going to be a debate amongst people. And actually, this is weird because typically, Jared, on the Rumble chat and on the interwebs on social media, people are mad at me because I'm being too critical of Trump or they think I'm anti-Trump. And today, I agree with something Donald Trump truthed out, 
and a lot of people are disagreeing with him. So it's a little bit of a change up. Today's poll question is brought to you by Silva and Salinas, a small law firm with a proven track record of big results. Whether it's family law, criminal defense, or some other legal concern, Mark Salinas and his team are with you from start to finish. Learn more about Silva and Salinas at sslawteam.com. That's sslawteam.com. Jared, what is the poll question and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurlyshow.com is, Trump says Bud Light deserves a second chance. Do you agree? Yes, no, or I didn't drink Bud Light before the boycott anyway? I didn't drink Bud Light before the boycott anyway. If I was a huge Bud Light drinker and I really liked the drink, I think I would give them a second chance at this point. And actually, we're getting a lot of interesting texts. 603 says, my husband works for Anheuser-Busch. They are on the verge of a strike. They've paid a massive price for something an idiot college grad did. Um, Another person suggesting certain ads like Bud Light should bring back the Clydesdale horses. Um, A friend of mine texted me during the break and said, I liked their Peyton Manning ad. They thought that helped. Uh, But yeah, I'm going to go with I didn't drink Bud Light before, because if they're going to make a comeback, it's not going to be because of me. 42% of the audience is with you that they didn't drink Bud Light before the boycott. 44% say no, and 14% say yes. All right, so this RNC situation, and and again, Jennifer Van Lahr from Red State. Red State does a lot of great reporting. She broke down some of the spending at the RNC. You know which one I find the most offensive? And there was a lot of ridiculous spending. They're getting, like, embroidered pillows, and, and we've gone through this before. They seem to get a lot of crap. And if you get a lot of crap and you win a lot of elections, I keep my mouth shut. But when you're buying expensive ornaments and needlepoint shoes, then you're going to raise some eyebrows. One that I find offensive, the RNC spent $70,328 on floral arrangements. The DNC spent $795. The DNC is on the money with that. It should be even less. Floral arrangements are a crazy thing to spend that much money on. If you're the RNC, you you throw them away. You throw them away usually that night. What is happening? That's not helping us win elections. Also, consultants, limos. Limos. What what decade are we in? They're buying, they're they're, they're renting limos. Very strange stuff. 844-500-4242. Now, something that won't surprise anyone here. Maura Healy nominates a judge and a former romantic partner to the state's highest court. This is from Boston.com. Governor Maura Healy on Wednesday nominated an appeals court judge and former romantic partner with whom she shared a home for several years to an open seat on the state's highest court. Did this just happen? Is that what is that considered a conflict of interest? We'll be right back. I want to read a great story from The Federalist about David from David Harsani about Israel and the way Biden is trying to frame this situation with Bibi Netanyahu. So much more. Don't go anywhere. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Yesterday, Joe Biden was at a Black History Month dinner, and there was also singers at the event, and people weren't listening to the singers. Joe was trying to get people to listen, and he gets less 
attention from people. Like he he garners less respect from an audience than a substitute teacher trying to get a classroom in check. And that's no disrespect to substitute teachers, but you know how the when, when you're a kid and you know this teacher has really no authority and you just go crazy and they wheel in the TV and they're like, all right, all right, if you're not going to listen to me, we're going to watch this movie, so be quiet. Joe Biden, people are listening to him less. He, he could do that thing where he shuts the lights off to try to get everyone to be quiet, and I still don't think anyone would pay attention to him. But that's not why I bring this up. I bring this up because at this event, he was trying to pay respects or to um, to heap praise on his vice president, Kamala Harris, and he butchered the pronunciation of her name. Can I hear it again, Jared, please? We inspired a nation, but as Kamala described... Kamala. Now, we brought this up because we also have a cut from Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis when they were having a debate and Governor Ron DeSantis called Kamala Harris Kamala Harris and apparently he didn't say it in the correct way and Governor Gavin Newsom was very upset and reprimanded him rather harshly for getting the pronunciation wrong. Take a listen. Joe Biden is in the pocket of the teachers union and so is Kamala Harris. That's why they fought hey, the way, school it's not openings Kamala when, Harris. when he Shame came in you. there. It's Kamala when they had Harris, that in Ron. There. It's Kamala Biden Harris, came into office Madam and he Vice brought in the teacher to union. You. Shame on you, he said. Shame on you. And now, of course, I'm waiting for him to give this same lecture to the president who can It's not just, again, DeSantos. He can't even get it close to right. Kamala Harris, that's a new one on me. I don't even mess that one up. I at least get a little bit closer than Joe. But Jared, do you realize how many think pieces, and I'm going to put out a tweet about this, so bear with me, everyone. But there are so many think pieces about how mispronouncing Kamala's, Kamala's name is racist. Let me read you just a couple here. This is from the Washington Post. Mispronouncing Kamala, accident or message? The Biden-Harris campaign has largely remained silent on the issue. Yeah, because half of the campaign, Joe Biden, can't say her name. So he's not going to start. If, if he starts yelling at people for not saying her name right, and then he turns around and says, Kamala, that's not going to be a great look for the president. It says, the Biden-Harris campaign has largely remained silent on the issue, reluctant to amplify what they see as a racist appeal to Trump's base. So are things that bad between Joe Biden and Kamala that now he's part of the racist appeal to Trump's base? That's how much he hates her? That's how good this relationship is? Wink, wink. I can't not, hear you. Not if you listened to him yesterday. He, he assured us the relationship was strong and great. I have never been more sure that these two hate each other than hearing Joe Biden say, I love her and our relationship's good. It was like they're about to tell us they're getting divorced. That's what I was prepping myself. I was prepping myself, Jared, for stepbrothers. Are you going to get a divorce? I'm going to throw up. That, that's what I was getting ready for. So that's the Washington Post, ready? This is CNN. What it reveals when senators repeatedly mispronounce the names of Kamala Harris. Oh, and a CEO, a Google CEO. I've never heard of him before. It is truth universally acknowledged that if you live in the U.S. and you have a non-English name, someone at some point is bound to butcher the pronunciation. They go on to talk about what it means. And then we have this one from Sacramento Bee. When is it racist to mispronounce Kamala Harris's name? 
So there are certain situations where if you mispronounce it and you're saying it's a hell of a lot of journalism and you're saying Ron DeSantis, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that that is a situation when it is racist. And I'm also going to say that if you're Joe Biden and you say Kamala, that's a situation where it's not racist. Do you think that I've uh, do I have to read this whole article I, to gather that? I believe you have accurately summed up racism. The Washington Post has multiple articles about this. Democrats see racism in GOP mispronunciations of Kamala. This was worthy of multiple think pieces. And I use the word think pretty loosely there. And just remember when you see about, you know, the New York Times laying off and all these journalists getting laid off. This is why, because this is what they did. Oh, yeah, but I'm supposed to feel really, really, really bad, Jared. And and Tucker Carlson got a lot of heat for it. This is a piece from the University of Calgary. It's Kamala uh, insisting on mispronouncing Kamala Harris's name is racist. Um, and it goes on to talk about Tucker Carlson. And I think I have one more here that I want to read. Democrats of color rally around Kamala Harris amid racial microaggressions let me see if one of them is considered the mispronunciation of her name um uh, it doesn't say and i can't read it fast enough but yeah there's been multiple pieces talking about how mispronouncing kamala harris's name is racist except unless if you're joe biden in which case yeah you know he's just he's just a gaff machine and it won't work for nobody but you who inspired a nation but as Kamala described Sheila, you're up next on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Sheila. Hi. Hi. I wholeheartedly disagree with your last uh, caller about Joe Biden and the economy and how we just have to get rid of him because we can't have another four years. But our economy is thriving. It's better than it's been in decades. Really? And I, I want to yeah, really. get a look at your bills, Sheila. What grocery store do you sh- do you shop listen, at? Listen, I just went to the grocery store yesterday. Milk is a dollar seventy nine. A gallon of milk is two dollars and seventy nine cents. Eggs at two nineteen. Come what? on, prices have gone. I, I go in a market basket. Where do you go, Sheila? Can I ask you a question? How come, according to Bernie Sanders, sixty percent of Americans are still living paycheck to paycheck? That's, that was the case when Trump was in office. Ah. Come on. That's no different than Trump, when Trump was in office. It's, it's unfortunately, the economy. I, I don't mean the economy under Wait, Joe Biden. Just, I mean the economy you, you under just said anybody. The eco- if, but, Trump, if Trump gets into office, this is not going to change. You just said Nothing the economy was thriving, and now you're saying it's the economy. Well, it's the, it, it is the economy in the sense that there are people who have lived paycheck to paycheck all their lives, no matter who was in office. Do, are, so are you it's doing? Are fact. you doing better? Yeah. Are you doing better financially now than you were when Trump was president? Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, I'm happy when for you. I, I don't. President. When Trump was elected president, I had to go to my therapist. The four years that he was in office, the constant, constant, constant um, pushback and criticism. And vile language and from him was so debilitating to most of the people I know. Sheila, I don't understand Sheila, why anybody would want that. Sheila, document. can I ask you a question? Yeah. If given the option between what we have now, which is multiple wars breaking out under Joe Biden, or the... Multiple de- what? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Wars breaking out 
There's wars going on since Joe Biden took office. That's not Trump. That's not Biden. So I'll that's not what I asked. That's not what I, that's not what I asked. I, that's, hold on. I let you finish. Please let me finish. Would you take the current situation with all of these wars breaking out that just just so happened to happen when when Biden became president and a border that, if we can both agree on this, is a disaster and is completely overrun with illegal aliens or Donald Trump's language that sent you to the therapist's office? Which one would you choose? This debacle in Congress is shameful. Sometimes I'm embarrassed at being American because we're ridiculed, rightfully so, because of the do-nothing, spineless Republican Congress people. Wait, what, what is They're that? so afraid of Trump's... Let me finish. They're, They're so, so afraid, afraid of, of Trump. Trump. Do you hear up. yourself? Okay, Sheila, hold on a second. Explain this one to me, because I, I, we have a live one here, and I really want to try to understand. I'm curious... How do you blame the current border situation on Donald Trump if Joe Biden reversed all of Trump's policies and if the border, I'm just talking numbers here, has gotten significantly worse under Joe Biden? How is that one Donald Trump's fault? Please explain. I have a question for you. No, 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 no. I want that question answered, please. I want that question answered. How is it Donald Trump's fault that the border is in the current state that it's in? I asked you a question. What did he do about the border when he was in office? Donald Trump? Yeah. He closed it. That's why the numbers were a lot lower than they are now. Just look at the numbers. We have historic numbers of people coming in. He allowed the border agents to do their job. I'll give you a better one, Sheila. He enforced the law. He opens private uh, places for people, to, these, these refugees, to go and, be, and lay on the floor if they could find a space. Oh, the cages. With, oh, the pictures of the cages from the Obama administration. Is that what you're referring to? The pictures of the cages from the Obama no. administration? You're right, I'm Sheila. It's so that. much better now. It's so much better now under Joe Biden that we have millions of illegal aliens filling in hotel rooms and migrant shelters and the recreation center in Roxbury. You know where the kids used to go to run track and they used to go to play sports and they used to go to use the swimming pool in the summer? That's now being used as a migrant shelter and it's going to be used until, and I'm using air quotes, until June. It's probably until the end of time. Do you think this is sustainable, Sheila? Do you think letting people in and just and, and having no rhyme or reason to it is a sustainable way to run a country? Can I get a word in edgewise? Go ahead. That is why the both the Republicans in the Senate and Democrats, bipartisan, put together the bill that's now in the House that they don't want to pass. Hold on, hold on. Pause her right there. I got to pause you right there, Sheila. When Joe Biden won the presidency, the best day of your life, and everything started to change for the better, who was in charge of Congress? Who had control of Congress? Read with that. Who had control of Congress? Who had control of Congress? Listen, I want to be the the Democrats. The Democrats had control of Congress, Sheila. The Democrats had control of Congress. Why didn't they pass it? This comprehensive immigration bill. Why didn't they pass it when Joe Biden and the Democrats had control of Congress and the White House and the Senate? Trump pass it. Why didn't Trump pass Congress? Because he didn't have to pass it because he let them enforce the law. So he wasn't about to spend a hundred billion dollars to make them enforce the law. He could just say, hey, guess what, guys? You can enforce the law. You don't need money for that. You can just do it anyway. Know where their parents are. Uh, what, Is that okay? Would you would you want that? 
What are you talking about? When Trump was in office, he allowed the separation of parents and children. He took the children away from the parents, the immigrants. Now, Sheila, I have a question for you. If you have a bunch of single adult males, you can call them human smugglers, you can call them coyotes, and they're taking children as basically pawns as a way to get into this country and be able to infiltrate into this country and get a free pass, unvetted, as long as they have a kid with them. Do you think it's a good idea to verify if those kids are actually with their parents or if they're just with a random smuggler? Come on. Come on. Well, come on. What? Now you sound like him. That's not true. That's oh, it's not. It's not true. Why did your therapist tell you it's not true? My therapist. There's nothing wrong with therapy. Maybe you should try it. No, I go to therapy. I go to therapy. I don't go to therapy oh, because good. I don't go to therapy because Hillary Clinton bothers me or Joe Biden bothers me. I'm not. I'm not at that point yet. But I do go to therapy, and I, I think therapy is a great thing. But I think if Donald Trump's tweets or true socials are sending you to the therapist chair, Sheila. You, you you need something else. You need something else because that's not good. And I'm telling you right now that we were a lot better off with Donald Trump. I know he upsets you. I know you don't like his tweets. I know you don't like the kids in cages, which, by the way, that was actually under Obama. But don't let that get in the way of a good story. But if you look at what your life was actually like, if you could even if you could even find a way to break through the BS that you've surrounded yourself with, you might find that your life was a lot better. I'm sure you were a lot safer. There were a lot less people coming into this country illegally. Inflation was lower. The economy was better. I, I know you'll disagree with me there. But I, I just, I, I can't believe it. I would love, if there's other Sheilas out there, I'm going to send out, please call in, 844-500-4242. I would like one Sheila a day for the rest up until the election. I want one Sheila a day. That is my mission here at the Grace Curly Show. Whew. And you know what I know? Now I know people are about to call in, and I'm, I'm sorry. The show's almost over. We can't take your calls. We will take your calls tomorrow, though. Recently, a Grace Curly Show listener, Candace, called in to the show to tell us how much she loved her thunderstorms. Her furnace was serviced, and afterwards, the smell of oil was lingering in her home. She turned on the thunderstorms and watched the magic happen. The thunderstorm eliminated the funky odor. But the best part? Candace's husband, who rolled his eyes when she would talk about the thunderstorm, well, he finally understood what she was talking talking about. One of the great parts about the thunderstorm is that it isn't one of those flowery plugins that tries to cover up smell with more smell. If you want to get rid of the smells, you want the thunderstorm. And right now, you want the three-pack. So go to EdenPureDeals.com. Check out the three-pack special. It's the perfect size. It doesn't take up any floor space, and it comes in handy. Just ask Candace. With a three-pack special, you can use one in your kitchen, office, or even your car. Go to EdenPureDeals.com and use code GRACE3. That's EdenPureDeals.com, code GRACE, and the number three. My favorite thing now is just trying to get an answer. Whenever you have a good question, the response is, well, I have a question for you. No, 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 no. One question at a time here, please, Sheila. And I meant what I said, by the way, about being pro-therapy. I am pro-therapy. I didn't mean to throw that in her face. Um, But to say that Trump sent you to therapy, like that, that's insane. You're, then you're too focused on the nonsense you're consuming in the media. Go outside and touch some grass. We'll be right back. This is the Grace Curley Show. 
Follow Grace on Twitter at G underscore Curly. This is the Grace Curley Show. Today's car crossover is brought to you by Tux Trucks GMC in Hudson, Mass. They've got a great combo for moving snow, a GMC Sierra 2500 HD paired with a Fisher XV2 plow. For commercial or residential snow removal, see Tux Trucks, your Fisher plow distributor. Shop online at TuxTrucksGMC.com. You know, we've been talking about what an embarrassing night it was for Nikki Haley, but on the Democrat side, you still have Dean Phillips. Um, He wasn't, I don't think he was on the ballot yesterday, but he's still attacking Joe Biden, despite what the left probably wants from him. And he actually put out a tweet today. He said, I'm attacked for being honest and saying the quiet part out loud, the part DC insiders only do in private. I admire our president. I voted for him and campaigned for him. He has visited my home and he's been gracious to my family and our country. But shame on all of you pretending everything is okay. You are leading us and him into a disaster and you damn well know it. And then he added a couple of different video cuts of Joe Biden. So this is infighting in the Democrat Party. You don't see a lot of it, but I give Dean Phillips a lot of credit here. Howie, what do you make of this? Dean Phillips is not letting it go. He's not backing down. He's saying Joe Biden's not okay. You know, he, he picked the uh, the two cuts that have been most devastating. I mean, anyone who's paying attention knows that, but it, it, it's kind of surprising that he would go for the jugular like that. You know, and I, I, don't, I don't blame him. I mean, I, I think he's on the right track. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I don't I they may be able to get away with it. But, uh, you know, it's not good for the country to have somebody around like this who thinks he's talking to dead people, doesn't even know what country the dead people come from. Can't remember the name of uh, right now the uh, the leading uh, uh, headache that the U.S. has in uh, geopolitical uh, terms. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. And speaking of amazing, Howie, I know you're going to focus on this today, but Nikki Haley's night last night, even for the Haley campaign standards as far as these primaries go, a big embarrassment. And I'm at the point now where I'm starting to think that not only is she, obviously she has no shot at being president, but she's kind of ruining her political career in an attempt to stick it to Trump. I, I, well, I think it's not about her political career. It's about her uh, board directorships, that kind of thing. I don't even think she's going for anything at uh, one of these uh, state-run media networks. She's going for the big bucks, you know, the uh, the you know the kind of money that uh, John Sununu was making. Only probably a lot more money than John Sununu ever made. You know, you get on all these boards, you're in you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, for life. I agree. Yeah. Howie Carr is coming up next. Everybody, don't go anywhere. We'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> 